Russ read for us the interpretation that Jesus gave of the sower. And quite often when Jesus gave a parable, He didn't always give the meaning. But in this particular case, I think He wanted them to understand the exact message that He was giving. I think the principle of sowing and reaping is known worldwide. In my hand, I have several seeds. I have a beans, some bean seeds. I have some corn seeds. I have some pumpkin seeds. And I have some sunflower seeds. And I know that if I take these seeds out and I plant them in the ground, and the ground is good, then these seeds are going to grow. If I plant a bean, then guess what's going to come out of the ground? A bean plant. If I plant corn, guess what's going to come out of the ground? Corn. And the same is true with the sunflower and the pumpkin and all the other seeds that we can think of. When you put them in the ground, they grow and they grow and produce. Now, none of these seeds, once they get to a point where they're going to start producing, will cross. I'm not going to end up with a cornkin or a beankin or something like that because they're all going to produce after their kind. The Bible tells us in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7 Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. We understand that putting the seed in the ground, you're going to get what you put in the ground. That's important for us to realize. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 7, it says, But this I say, He which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. I'm going to stop right there. Because I think we understand that if I put one bean in the ground, one bean seed, then I'm going to get one bean plant. But the more bean seeds I put in the ground, the more beans I'm going to have. I'm going to prosper. So if I sow sparingly just a few beans, I'm going to get a few bean plants. But if I plant a multitude of beans, I'm going to have an abundance of bean plants. I think that we understand that concept that that's what Jesus is saying. Now, the healthy, wealthy preachers will say that that next verse means that if you give me $100, you're going to get 1000 back. Let's look at that verse. Every man according as he purposed in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And so they go on and on. Now, I can guarantee you this. If you want to send me $100, that's fine. But the only promise that I'm going to make to you is that I'll have $100 and you'll lose $100. That's what, I, that's what the promise is. Now, when we look at what Jesus said about, you know, if you lose your family, you lose your family, you're going to gain a hundredfold. Well, think about that. If you become a Christian and your family turns against you, look at the family that you have. You have a universal family in the body of Christ. The church that Jesus died for is now your family. And so we can be thankful for that. Now you may be blessed. We know that if we sow, that we're going to reap spiritual blessings. But I don't believe that the Gospel is a healthy, wealthy thing that's going to be promised to us. Because we see a lot of people in the Bible that suffered tremendously. They had to leave things behind. Lost their lives. Some were sick. 
because they obeyed the gospel. But the question is, why do we reap what we sow? Why is it that if I put a bean in the ground or a sunflower seed in the ground or a pumpkin seed in the ground that I'm going to get a pumpkin, a sunflower, or a bean? Because God said in Genesis chapter 1 when He was creating this earth and this world that we live in, He said in verse 11, "...and God said, Let the earth bring forth grass and herb yielding seed and a fruit tree yielding fruit after His kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth and it was so." And the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind, and a tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself after his kind. And God saw that it was good, and the evening and the morning were the third day. God's word, you might say, is in this seed. That when he said the pumpkin's going to come forth, bring forth its own seed, and that's what it's going to produce, it's been that way ever since we've had pumpkins. And the same is true with beans. And the same is true with corn and any other seed that you might think of. Because that's God's will. That's what God has said. That that seed would bring forth after its kind. And so when you start to carve your pumpkin later on next month, you're going to dig inside there and you're going to find a bunch of gooey mush for what's going to be in there pumpkin seeds. Because that's what God said was going to happen. We understand that physical growing and reaping concept. But there's also a spiritual sowing and reaping. You see, when we preach the Gospel or we teach the Gospel of Christ, the Bible tells us that it will bring forth fruit. And that fruit we can see on the day of Pentecost when that Gospel was preached that there were about 3,000 souls that were baptized. They were added to the Lord's church. And that's the fruit of the Word of God. That's the fruit of uh, preaching the Gospel. You see, and for that to happen, that seed, we need a seed that is essential so that we can have a harvest. And sometimes I'm not sure that we understand that the seed is the Word of God. It's the Gospel of Jesus Christ. We understand that without seed, there cannot be a crop. There cannot be fruit. Trees aren't going to produce apples and oranges and things of that nature without some type of seed to plant in the ground. Jesus tells us in Luke chapter 8 and verse 11, where we find this parable recorded in Luke, that the seed is the Word of God. And without the Word of God, there will never be a spiritual harvest either. And that's what we need to understand. Without that Word, without that seed being planted, we're not going to see a harvest of souls. Jesus said the field is wide unto the harvest, but the laborers are few. We go out into that harvest and we preach the Gospel. We teach the Gospel. There are people that are lost that need to hear that message. They need to have that, soul, or that seed planted in their hearts. And then we see a result as Russ read for us in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 23. It says, "But he that receiveth seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty." You think about that. Now I planted these sunflower seeds, some of these sunflower seeds in my garden this year. And some of the flowers that are on top are big. Some are smaller. 
But they're, they're still yielding. So the big ones are going to yield more than the smaller ones. And that's what Jesus is saying. Sometimes when we plant that seed, we're going to have a big harvest. Other times there may be a few. But without that seed, <clears throat> there will be no harvest. There will be no fruit. Mark chapter 4, verse 14, the sower soweth the word. You know, that's our responsibility as Christians. Jesus said in Mark chapter 16, 15 and 16, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. So what does Jesus tell us to do? He doesn't say, wait for Him to come to us. We need to be out there doing it. We need to be out there sowing. We share that gospel message with our friends, with our neighbors, with the people that we work with, with our families. People we may not even know. That seed needs to be planted in our hearts. And Jesus said, go. He didn't say wait. He said go. The Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. That gospel message is the Word. It's the seed. We can't be ashamed of that gospel. We can't be ashamed of what the Bible tells us and reveals to us. We have to take that message and take it out into the world and share that message with others. Because it's only through the Gospel that people can hear what they need to do. And when they understand it, it will produce fruit in their lives. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3-4, through it says, "...but if our Gospel be hid..." It is hid to them that are lost, to whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the, in, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. You see, the devil doesn't want people to hear that message. Because sometimes when people hear that message, guess what? They want to turn away from sin. And that's what the devil's involved with sin. He wants us to sin. And so he tries to keep that word hidden. He tries to keep us fearful of taking that message out because, oh, they may not like us anymore. Oh, they don't want to hear. We try to justify it in many different ways. But the fact of the matter is, Jesus said go. And what we need to understand also is that, you know what? People may not like what we have to say about the Gospel when we read the Scripture and show them what the Bible says. But did they like it when Jesus showed them? Or Peter? Or Paul? Jesus was crucified. Peter and Paul both were martyred for the cause of Christ. In fact, Stephen was stoned to death because he presented the seed of God's Word. Sometimes people don't want to hear it. But there's a lot of people out there that do. And so sinners must be converted with the Word of God. In Psalms 19 and verse 7 it says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. 
Jesus said in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 15, For this people's heart is wax gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes have they closed. Lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their hearts and should be converted and should heal them. Brethren, we live in a world today that wants to turn their back on God. They don't want to hear what the Bible has to say. They want to look at the Bible as something that's archaic. I've heard people on the radio, commentators on the radio say, we need to change some of the stuff that's in the Bible because it's causing problems in our world. It's not the Bible that's causing problems in our world. It's the devil that's causing problems in our world. Now, brethren, we need to take the Gospel out to to the world so that they can hear it. Now, people don't want to hear about God. You can see that in the news regularly where people turn away from God. They don't want to hear what God's Word has to say. But did they want to hear it back in the New Testament also? During the times of the apostles, did they want to hear it? No, Peter and the other apostles, they were arrested, thrown in prison, thrown in jail, beaten. They're simply preaching the Gospel message. Without God's Word, people need to understand that there is no faith. In Romans chapter 10, beginning of verse 13, "...for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent?" As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah said, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Again, what do we see in passages of the Scripture? People don't always want to hear the truth. But it's the only, only the word of God can produce the faith that is needed to please God. Hebrews 11, verse 6, "...without faith it is impossible to please Him, for he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him." You read on down through that chapter and you can see individual after individual after individual that heard what God wanted them to do. By faith they accepted what God said and they went about doing what they were instructed to do. It's no different for us today. God's Word says it. He says it through His Word. We're not going to have a dream. We're not going to have a vision. Some you know, angel's not going to sit at the foot of our bed and tell us what we need to do. God's Word tells us what we need to do. You read that in Hebrews chapter 1. He's not going to talk to us in dreams anymore. His Word's been revealed. We have to trust it. And it produces faith. John tells us in John chapter 17, verses 20-21, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on Me through their word, for they all may not, or that they all may be one, as Thou, Father, art in Me, and I in Thee, and they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that Thou hast sent Me. What's going to make them believe? What's going to make us one? What's going to make us like Jesus and God as one? That Word, that seed, when it's planted in our hearts and we obey it and put it into practice in our daily lives. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and verse 5, it says, "...who then is Paul and who is Apollos, but ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man." 
What did they teach? What did Paul and Apollos teach? The Word of God. They were simple ministers or messengers that delivered that message. We're vessels. Did you know that? God considers us vessels and we carry the Word of God with us. And we share that Gospel message with others. You say, well, I don't know enough to tell somebody what they need to do in order to be a Christian. And I ask you, are you a Christian? If you're a child of God, you should be able to tell someone the basics of what you did to become a Christian. And it needs to be based upon God's Word. Not what you feel, not what you wanted to say, but what God's Word says. And sometimes God's Word is tough. But He tells us what we need to know because He loves us and cares for us and He wants us to be saved. That's why it's important that when we as messengers of Christ, ambassadors, as the Scripture says, for Christ, we better be carrying the message that Jesus gave in His Word when we take the message out. Peter said, if any man speak, then speak as the oracles of God. That means I better be saying what God's Word says. Not what someone may say that they think is okay. You see, just having the seed is not enough. You see, I got all this seed up here on this on this shelf here, but it's not going to grow. It's not enough just to have it. If I want to have a pumpkin, if I want to have a sunflower, if I want to have a bean or a corn, I got to plant it in the ground for it to produce. And that's why Jesus said. In the Great Commission of Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 through 20, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. Again, go. Go out there and teach. Go out there and preach the Word of God. Young people, don't be ashamed of what the Bible says. Don't let your friends say, oh, that's archaic. You don't need to listen. We do need to listen. And you can have a tremendous impact on this world when you obey what God's Word says. And so we go out into the world and we teach. The people that understand what they need to do are baptized into Christ. Why? Because they need their sins remitted. And that's what we see that Jesus said in Luke chapter 24, and that's what Peter preached in Acts chapter 2 for the remission of sin. We have to repent and turn away from our sin and be buried with our Lord in baptism to have our sins remitted. And so we go out into the world, we preach the Gospel, people obey the Gospel, and we continue to teach because we want to grow and we want to be what God wants us to be. In Psalms chapter 126 and verse 5 and through 6, it says, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. We go out there. It may be difficult. It may be sad. Sometimes you see people in some terrible situations and it's it, it gets you down. Because you realize that they've gotten caught up in some of the Satan's traps. And they need to be rescued. But I'll tell you something. And if you've ever helped someone obey the Gospel, you know what I'm saying. 
that it brings joy to your heart when you see someone turn from sin and are baptized into Christ. You want joy in your life? Get busy sowing the seed. Get busy going out and helping people to see what they need to see from God's Word. You see, Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3 and verse 3, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You know what? A person cannot be born again without the Word of God. In 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 22, it says, Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. See that you love one another with a pure heart fervently, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the Word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. You want to be born again? You need that incorruptible seed. You see, I can take God's Word and I can change it. I can add a little bit to it. I can take a little bit away from it. I can say things that make you feel good that may be different from what the Bible says. That would be corrupted seed. And it's not going to produce a New Testament Christian. Only God's Word when it's unchanged, when it's taken just like He gave it to us, is it the seed that God intended for us to plant. In James chapter 1 and verse 18, of His own will begat He us with the word of truth that we should be the kinds of first fruits of His creatures. If you learn nothing else from this lesson, I hope you understand. One thing I hope you get out of this is the importance of God's Word. God's Word has to be planted. God's Word has to be sown for people to be what God wants them to be. Verse 21 of James chapter 1 says, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted Word which is able to save your soul. You see the importance of God's Word? 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15, For though ye have ten thousand instructors in Christ, yet have ye not many fathers? For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the Gospel. Again, the Word, the Gospel. The good news. You want to be saved? You better do it the way the Bible tells us we need to do. Don't take somebody else's word for it and says, you just do it this way, it'll be okay. Because we're going to be judged on the day of judgment according to this word. Not what you think, not what you feel, but what God's word has said. You see, that seed must be healthy, it must be sound for it to produce fruit. I planted some corn this uh, past spring. I didn't get a new seed. I've taken some old seed. And it looked a little different, but I put it in the ground anyways. The corn came up. I got stalks of corn that are over my head. 
It tasseled. But you know what? There's only one cob of corn on all of those rows of corn. It has to be good seed. No matter how much work you do, I could hoe it and I could do everything I could to prepare the soil, but the seed was no good. And the same is true with God's Word. You can't change it. You can't add to it. You can't do anything to it. Because the Word of God must be preached faithfully, unchanged, unaltered. In Titus chapter 2 and verse 1, "...but speak thou the things which becometh sound doctrine." Sound doctrine is based upon God's Word. You know, a lot of denominations have books and manuals that they go by to determine what is a sound doctrine. As I believe it was Marshall Keeble used to say, if it says more than what God's Word says, it says too much. If it says less than what God's Word, it says too little. And if it says exactly what God's Word says, why have it? God's Word is all we need if we want to go to heaven. We need to be obedient to that Word. John chapter 6 and verse 63, it says, "...it is the Spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life." You want to be made alive? You are found dead in sin. That's what sin does to us. That's what we're referred to. If you want to be alive, then you need the Word of God and you need to accept that Word. Again, Peter or Paul said in Romans chapter one and verse sixteen, "I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? For it is the power of God unto salvation." That gospel leads us to what we need to do in order to be saved. You see, we preach that message. That's why Jesus said, "Go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth." and is baptized. So you see, there's a responsibility that we have. We hear that message. We either believe it or we don't. And if we don't believe it, what's the point of being baptized? And so if we believe it, we must be baptized for the remission of sin. And that's not some Holy Spirit baptism. That's a water baptism going down into the water, a burial coming up out of the water, a new creature. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it says, For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of joint and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intent of the heart. God's Word is powerful. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning in verse 1, it says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. So it's not something that we obey and then forget about. When we obey, we continue to believe what the Bible taught about salvation and continue to do what God's Word tells us to do after we become a Christian. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28? Go ye therefore and teach, baptize, and teach some more. And so it's a continual process. You see, God's Word is not rotten. It's not soiled. It's not 
moldy. It's not, there's nothing wrong with God's Word. And Paul tells us in Galatians chapter 1, verses 6-9, through 9, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from, removed from Him that called you unto the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another. But there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which ye have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. What's Paul saying? Paul's telling us there's no other gospel. And he's marveled that they believe some other gospel, but there's only one. There's only one that has the power to save our soul. And that's the one that we need to preach and teach and take out into the world. In 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, "...but there were false prophets also among the people, even as there was false teachers among you, who privately brought or shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction, and many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of." So here we have a warning that there's going to be people that are teaching things that are false. Things that are not going to save your soul, but may make you feel good. But if it doesn't save your soul, what good is it? Wouldn't you hate to live a life where you thought everything was good and wonderful, only to find out on a day of judgment that you were lost? That Jesus says, apart from Me, I never knew you? If you read that passage of Scripture in Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 and on, you can see where those individuals thought they did some good things. And it sounds like they did. But Jesus said, depart from Me, I never knew you. How sad that would be to get there on the Day of Judgment. You know, I've spent a lot of time in church services. I've spent a lot of time in my life studying for sermons and Bible classes and studying with people. I spent a lot of time doing what the Lord has instructed me to do. And I don't say that to brag. But I would hate to get to the day of judgment and find out that everything that I was doing was wrong. And that's why it's so important that we dig into God's Word and search for ourselves to make sure that what we're hearing is what God wants us to do and hear. Don't go home today saying, well, that's just the preacher. He's supposed to say that stuff. Yeah, I'm supposed to. But you're supposed to have a receptive heart if you want to produce the fruit that God wants you to produce. You see, in Matthew chapter 15, and verse 9, it says, But in vain they do worship Me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. The Bible shows us and teaches us, and we know ourselves, that the seed will always produce after its own kind. And that's because of what God said in Genesis chapter 1. And we don't need to be deceived. Don't allow ourselves to be deceived because God is not mocked. We will reap what we sow. So if we sow to the devil, that's what we're going to reap. And so we need to be on guard. And that same seed that produced Christians almost 2,000 years ago in the New Testament still produces Christians and the church 
that we can read about in the New Testament. Because that seed doesn't change. The Bible tells us that there's one body and one Spirit, even as ye are called unto the hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. People may argue that there's different bodies, but the Scripture shows us that there's one. And Jesus said upon this rock, I will build My church. And that's the church I want to be a part of. I want to be a part of that body. How do I get into that body? Well, Romans chapter 6, verses 4 through 6 says, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should also, for we should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection knowing this, that our old man is crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. I never really thought about it before, but I thought how interesting that is. And we're talking about seeds and planting seeds. And the seed of God's Word. Did you notice what it said there in verse 5? For if we have been planted together in the likeness of His death, we shall be also in the likeness of His resurrection. I have under this podium an apple. And I do have a knife in my pocket, but I'm not going to pull it out because I want to eat this apple later. But if I cut this apple in half, you'll find seeds. The average apple has five to eight seeds in it. And if I took one of those seeds and I planted it in good soil, in good ground, it's going to grow. So I may be able to count the seeds that are in this apple, but the question is, how many apples are in this apple? You think about the seed that was planted on the day of Pentecost. What did it produce? About 3,000 souls. You can read on over into the chat, into the book of Acts, and you can see about 4,000, 5,000 that believed and obeyed. And I can plant this one, one seed out of this apple, I'll get a tree. And if that tree produces, I'm going to get several apples. And the next year, I'm going to get several more apples. And some of those apples may be planted somewhere else. And we'll have more apples. You see, the Word of God is powerful. It can spread. And when we plant that seed, who knows what it's going to produce. It will produce Christians. But you think about Peter. The Bible talks about Peter speaking on the day of Pentecost. Peter stood up and spoke. And we have His words recorded that about 3,000 were baptized. Those 3,000 went somewhere later. We know in Acts chapter 8 they were scattered abroad and they went everywhere preaching and teaching the Word. And then in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 23 we can find that the Gospel was preached to every creature under the heavens. How did that happen? It started with that seed being planted on the day of Pentecost. 
people obeying that gospel and taking that seed and planting it somewhere else. We need to take the gospel message with us. We shouldn't hide it. shouldn't be ashamed of it. We should strive to the best of our ability to plant that seed in the hearts of men and women, young people across this world, because that's the only thing that can save their soul. You see, sometimes we get discouraged. We look out there and we say, the world is the world and it's not going to change. That's true. There's a lot of people out there in the world that are searching for hope. And in that seed of the Gospel is hope. And that seed of the Gospel is a message. It shows God's love. He doesn't want anyone to be lost. He wants us all to be saved. So the question that I want to ask you this morning as a Christian, are you sowing the seed? Are you producing fruit? Are you living the way God wants you to live? It's not enough to just have the seed. We have to sow it. And that's why Jesus said, go. Go preach the Gospel. Go teach. Baptize and then teach some more. Because people don't always want to come and hear, you got to go to them. And so that's my message this morning. You see, the Bible teaches us in Colossians or 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 6, when it talked about Apollos and Paul, Paul says, I have planted, he planted that seed, and Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither is he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Paul wants us to realize, you know, sometimes we plant the seed. Somebody else may come along and water that seed. But again, we're just vessels. It's God that gives the increase. It's the Gospel message that changes people's souls. So this morning, if you're not a Christian, I would hope that you would see the importance of obeying that message, that Gospel message, and being planted with our Lord in baptism. Because think about that. Even when a seed goes into the ground, it goes in looking like this. But when it pops up out of that ground, it looks different, doesn't it? It looks alive. The seed looks dead. We go down in that grave, watery grave of baptism, a sinner. We come up a changed person. There's something different about us. Is there something different in your life? This morning, if you need to respond to the invitation, you can come and have a seat up here on the front row while together we stand aside.